I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you are feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally. And I'm Josiah Keneally, and we are your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast. So it is a joy to link arms with you mm-hmm. and fix our eyes on Jesus and just share life on the journey together. So thank you for listening to this episode, for mm-hmm. sharing it with your friends, your leadership teams, and for subscribing, rating, leaving us a review. Yeah, so we are thrilled to have somebody that is somebody that Josiah has met in person and been able to connect with. So, Josiah, I know that you've met him, so I want you to be the one to introduce him. Who is our special guest behind the scenes today? Let's go. On the other side is Camilo Buchanan. How are you? I'm doing great. How are y'all? We're doing great. Hey, it's 20 below here. We just got eight inches of snow yesterday, so I'm dressed for winter and ready to go with a... Well, I already had my cup of coffee for the day, so we're already moving on to ice water, but we're doing great other than the weather. (laughs) Are you sure that humans are supposed to live in such conditions? We cannot prove it. We can neither (laughs) confirm nor deny, (laughs) but we're here. Yeah, you're there and I'm not, and we praise God for that. (laughs) Well, we're all surviving and thriving, so that's hopefully a place that we all can be, and hopefully the listener can be there as well. So good. And Milo is the Young Adults Ministry Leader at Passion City Church in Atlanta, Georgia. And Passion City Young Adults is made up of 18 to 25 year olds. Um, Really exciting things happening right there at 515. And I just think of Passion Mm -hmm. City Church, uh, multiple locations. Mm -hmm. I think of Passion Conferences. And I hope that if the listener has not been, that Mm -hmm. whether it's... um, sometime soon 2023 or a conference soon that they take advantage of the opportunity but camilo our paths crossed of course on instagram but we were Mm. at an event in nashville at the end of last year we got to hang for a meal and uh ever since then i've just been even before that too just wanted to have you on for a conversation so thanks for your time today and can you just kick us off with some of your story of life and leadership yeah, I am super honored to be on. Uh, I've loved the podcast. I'm a listener myself. And um, just love. I really do love Young Adult Ministry. It's the only type of ministry I've done uh, over the last, I don't know how long, seven years or so. And so really passionate about it. Love it. Uh, think it often gets overlooked. So thankful for y'all and what you're doing. Um, grew up in a Christian home, uh, knew about the Lord, would probably have said I had faith, but did not. My senior year of high school, uh, I was invited to actually a passion conference here in Atlanta. And that's when, not that I, first time I heard the gospel or even understood the gospel, it was just the first time that I think I responded to the gospel. Mm. And From there, it wasn't immediate. It was definitely over the next few months of uh, just kind of thinking through some things, praying, reading scripture, gave my life to the Lord, going into my freshman year of college uh, at Georgia State, go Panthers right here in downtown Atlanta, uh, which was only about 10 minutes from this building that I'm in right now. And they had just gotten into this building the year before the church was three years old total, but was nomadic the first two years. And so had just gotten in here. 
uh, even this office that I'm in, th this building used to be an old Home Depot expo. I was just going to so, ask that. Wasn't it a Home Depot before? <laughs> yes. And so all this, when I came where I'm at, they had the auditorium and like the kids and baby space, but all of this was still like old Home Depot-y little rooms that you could see different things. Um, so it's been a while, but uh, just wanted to serve wherever um first team was on the parking team here and i joined in december which i was really proud of uh in that cold weather in atlanta so i can only imagine what serving <laughs> on the parking team is like up in minnesota but god bless all the parking team people up there uh, in the <laughs> um and then joined the college ministry that was really new raw just kind of starting out um, the staff team was small. There's only probably about eight people on staff for all of Passion, both conference and church and record label uh, at the time. And but got involved uh, about a year into knowing the Lord. I uh, was walking to class and there were these kind of like your hate preachers, the uh, God hates you, repent or burn, all that happening. And most of my friends did not know the Lord because I'd just gotten saved a year previously and before that was the party guy. And so I just felt burdened by this to reach out to them, let them know that wasn't what I had joined. That wasn't what I was a part of now. And on accident, just asking some friends to kind of share their own testimonies of what the Lord had done in their life, uh, we ended up somehow creating a campus ministry uh, whose whole purpose was this. So I was kind of overseeing everything and doing it at Georgia State and a guy named Ryan Treadwell was at UGA in Athens and just started building, figuring that out again on accident and went terrible at the beginning, but grew and the Lord was gracious. We didn't know what we were doing, obviously um just got saved 19 in college uh but really had some favor on it and so uh, i continued to plug into the local church here and serve eventually with our college team was building that out and it was growing and uh got on a five seven campuses across the southeast became a 501c3 eventually became my full-time job ryan's full-time job and uh was doing that up until 2017 and then the lord pulled me out of that in a whole bunch of interesting circumstances that i was not expecting uh it continued kept going strong uh, i actually came back onto the board of directors uh for it we just ended up i don't know when we're releasing this so it may be public it may not be public this may be exclusive um <laughs> but just ended up uh deciding to actually let it go for now and, and close the ministry not for anything wrong other than and this could be something we even talk about the model of ministry i don't think serves this generation as well as it did mine and obviously i'm still young but over the last 10 years since then um a lot has changed obviously yeah. and that model of ministry had to be one that we weren't so tied to that we were uh, chasing something that wasn't really effective for mm -hmm. for the students of today's campus. Um, in that time, I after I left there in 2017 and 2018, the guy who was leading the college ministry here asked me to come on kind of contracts part time uh, and did that and stayed with it. And now I'm, I'm here uh, 
giving leadership. My official title is Young Adult Ministry Leader. Uh, there's another guy, all of our pastors at uh, Passion, I've gone through seminary. I'm in seminary right now, but there's a guy, Brett Yonker, who's a part of the Passion uh, Music and Passion Band, who kind of gives pastoral oversight to all that we're doing and super grateful for him. But yeah, that's me. That's how we got you. I love it. All I know is thank God for grace. And you already alluded to that because when we're young and we think we know something or we're young in our faith, we, we're, we're eager, we're excited, we're like anticipating all these crazy things. And all I got to say is I agree with you. Thank God for grace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my 100%. gosh. But thank you for sharing parts of your story. I think those resonate with multiple layers with our listeners today of just recognizing that there are multiple ways to do ministry and the same model may not mm -hmm. always work, wow. right? The world is changing, mm -hmm. COVID has impacted the church and how we approach mm -hmm. things or people or organizations, how they function. And it's probably exposed some extreme holes in our approach to that. We never knew that we were there until the pandemic happened. And yeah. we obviously know that you had a, already said it, like you've never served anything other than young adults. And it sounds like mm -hmm. by just listening to the brief few minutes of your story that your life was altered in cha and changed in those pivotal years of being 19 yeah. years old in the midst of your you know, adulting, quote unquote, or just starting that um, process. And I would even take it one step further for the listener. Like, why do you believe that young adult ministry is so vital and important? And maybe that inter interweaves with your personal story. But what is God showing you throughout these 10 years or seven to 10 years of you, you know, being boots on the ground and seeing lives mm -hmm. transformed in that process? Yeah, I think... Uh... <laughs> All ministry is important, so I don't want to say this is most or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just, it's not even that I think. What we know is that this is the foundational time of one's life, at least in the Western uh, context that most of us find ourselves in. Um, this is when you're legally seen as an adult and given new rights and freedoms that come from that. Mm -hmm. uh, at 21, you're legally allowed to interact with alcohol and how all that forms things. A lot of you are, this is when people can go serve in our military. This is, this is just when you are fully functioning, established adult. And all ministry is important. I love serving, still serving our students and kids ministries here at uh, Passion City and love all of that. But to take the what hopefully uh, foundation has been made there, even decisions that have been made there and to fortify them mm -hmm. at a time when your whole life is being fortified. This is where we're going to see where we're going to end up. This is where you're choosing what degree you're gonna go. And the difference between 287 degrees and 286 degrees is small here, but at the end of your life, ending up in two completely different places, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why to me, it's so pivotal and so life-giving that as people are uh, deciding what they wanna do, what they wanna study, what jobs they wanna get, where they wanna live, who they wanna be in relationship with, what their relationship is like with their family now that they get to decide that, what uh, friendships they're gonna have. It's it's so uh, pivotal and formative that I think it, it can't be overlooked. That's great. And we are 
100% in agreement. Like our, my heart mm-hmm. just starts to race and get excited hearing you talk about the, the opportunity that presents itself for ministry and mm-hmm. to either strengthen what maybe was started or to mm-hmm. start something fresh in the life of an 18-year-old, in the life of a 20-something. And we're grateful yeah. for the leadership of your house, like Passion mm-hmm. City Church. We know that mm-hmm. we've had Brad Jones on the podcast and at the conference. Mm-hmm. We have had um, more recently Grant Partrick. And mm-hmm. we, yeah. Mike and I, like we've had opportunities to to attend some different passion events, passion conference right. included. And right. I remember just one moment in particular, we hadn't been parents yet. And it was Passion 2020. It was at the Benz the mm, first time. Yeah. And Mike is like expecting, and we didn't know, we never found out gender until both of our babies were born. Awesome. It was was just exciting. And I remember being up in the balcony, Carrie Jobs leading worship. Yeah. And now then I found out that it was unplanned that the roof opened up, but there was literally, it felt (laughs) like heaven opened up and she was leading a song about God's presence being right. her favorite place. And we could yeah. sing in the community, like, God, your presence is our favorite place. Is yeah. there anything you want to show us? We, we're not leaving anytime soon. And yeah. in that moment, I felt like God actually gave me a vision of a daughter who would be not necessarily like a worship leader, but a worshiper. Mm, <laughs> come on. And I was weeping and I don't cry that much, but then fast forward to... <laughs> April 22nd, 22nd, our daughter was born. And I I often think back to that moment and just whether it's a young leader listening or the young adult themselves, you're right. Like, and I've heard Pastor Louis say that he wants to park at the intersection. He just wants to hang out at the intersection Mm -hmm. with his life. And so we just honor the leaders like Mm -hmm. Louis and Shelly who've gone before us. And can I come back, Camilo, to something that you said just a second ago, like, You've, you've experienced ministry on the college campus with the 501c3 mm-hmm. and a number of campuses and now mm-hmm. young adult ministry with college students at Passion City Church. Mm-hmm. But you said one thing that stood out to me for this episode and for myself, for Micah, for the listener. And that was like this ministry model of the last ministry wasn't serving maybe Gen Z mm. or post-pandemic or this season yep. of 2022 the way it did maybe in the previous years or with millennials Mm -hmm. are you willing to like you don't need to get specific but can you talk about that because i know in our campus ministry Mm -hmm. we serve at a community college as Mm -hmm. campus ministry uh, missionaries and like our campus here in the twin cities is still 80 percent online Mm -hmm. Fifteen thousand students but the the vast majority it's near impossible to get a face-to-face interaction with. So we're evaluating, trying to tweak and pivot and fine tune and ask the Lord for wisdom, knowledge, discernment, direction of like, Hey, what is, what is our next right thing to do today? Mm -hmm. And then as we roadmap into the future, but I think that'd be really interesting to hear kind of real time, like, cause that's a hard decision. Yeah. I think, uh, like you said, one, it is, an incredible blessing to be a part of this house um, and under leaders like Pastor Grant, Pastor Brad, and of course, Pastor Louie and Shelly, um, who for, yes, Passion was born in the late 90s, but for 10 years before that, Pastor Louie and Shelly were on a college campus as college ministers leading a Bible study. 
uh, now having Pastor Ben Stewart in the mix, was leading the largest collegiate Bible study in the nation uh, up in D.C. So that's definitely a part of our just DNA more than anything else. It's, it's who we are. And so I'm sure that has uh, formed me. And what I think is interesting about passion is they've been doing pretty much the same thing for 25 something years, which the conversation, the question you just asked is how do we pivot with things? And that's not to say that one is right or one is wrong. It's to say they've had a very clear vision that is uh, intergenerational, right? It's Isaiah 26, 8, very plain and simple. Yes, Lord, walking the way of your truth, we wait eagerly for you, for your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. That is a mission and vision that transcends a generation, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's just simply the word of God and is the call for all of us. I think what we were doing at the real movement, not that it didn't serve a purpose. Our main verse was John three seventeen, 17, uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that those might be saved, right? Um, in that, the way we went about sharing the gospel was kind of millennial focused, which makes sense. We were millennials. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that we wanted to interact with the millennial college student was to let them see that we were not like that guy on the corner yelling at you. And so our way of doing that, at least in this ministry, was to uh, really prioritize relationship uh, before getting to teaching or thought. And so mm -hmm. uh, how it looks is anyone could come anywhere on the face spectrum to these weekly events on a college campus, meet some people, get some food, have some hangs, and then be broken up into little groups where the leaders would ask questions, but they weren't going through a Bible study curriculum. There were questions about friendship for a series. There were questions about uh, relationships or fear or dreams, X, Y, Z. And the questions were designed in such a way that as people would come back week to week to week, it was narrowing in to uh, your need for the gospel. And it was at that point that we would share the gospel and it worked beautifully and saw people, atheists come to know the Lord and it was awesome. And I think that served the millennial generation well because who we are, I'll just speak for my generation, mm -hmm. is, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word, a little soft and somewhat offended most of the time. <laughs> um, so what I think I've seen with Gen Z, my little sister's uh, 22. She's a senior at NYU right now. And so she's just my my case study for everything yeah, <laughs> um, is they're much more interested in truth than feeling good hmm. and i think that's from the confusion it's probably just been accelerated over the last few years in our country of alternative facts or just what is true not lining up like no no consensus there and 
where my generation kind of pioneered that and was like, yeah, just live your truth. I think they're realizing while they like that in theory, it does not play out in reality when our truths bump into each other. And so why we decided to pivot was it didn't seem like the generation needed to be coerced or kind of brought in the back door. It seemed they needed someone to just be honest and clear. Hey, we're believers. Hey, we're the, I believe in the Bible. Here's what I believe the Bible says. Do you want to have an interaction and a discussion from that point of view, as opposed to, hey, I'm a person just like you, bro. I love you. Yeah, I follow Jesus, but let me get to know you. Yeah, and as I'm getting to know you, showing you this Jesus who I follow. Does that track? Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Oh, yeah, 100%. We're both millennials. And I would say the approach that you just described is definitely what I grew up in and the approach mm -hmm. that, not that I was taught to, to take, but I mean, that's probably what we projected most definitely in Mm -hmm. in this generation in our generation of millennials i would maybe you what do you think josiah i agree completely and i was just talking to clint reddy and he's getting ready to share at our conference next week and he yeah. came across some research that intervarsity just put out called generations in the gospel and mm. it's really interesting to your point that generation z who's on college campuses now they are the 18 to 25 mm -hmm. year olds they are young yeah. adults they respond differently or the gospel can be proclaimed differently or mm -hmm. taught differently or modeled. Really, we're talking about the mm -hmm. gospel mm -hmm. hasn't changed. That's right. unchanging. But it's yeah. the model of presenting that gospel that is different with millennials than it was with X or boomers. Or mm -hmm. and, and so I think that it's a fascinating reality that we all face as leaders that mm -hmm. what has always worked won't always work forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I would even say, like, even in my education that I've had in, in ministry, it's like we were reading youth books and there weren't very many young adult books to obviously read. But the many of the youth books that they were assigning were literally 10 to 14 years old and outdated. I would read some of it and mm -hmm. I'd laugh and I'm like, well, that was us in middle school. That was me in fifth grade. <laughs> like what? Like you, kids are not going to come around that. Young adults are not going to show up for that. So to be on the, the cutting edge of what's taking place and not as leaders put our head in the sand and pretend like our approach doesn't need to change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our, our heart needs to be in tune with the people. And Josiah said it perfectly. He's been saying this for the last couple of weeks, at least around the house. And it's young adults are asking questions that the church is isn't answering. And I, I would agree with that. And then the church is talking 100%. about questions and responding to questions that young adults aren't asking. So it's like this vicious circle of like, how do we get people in the door? Well, we need to almost lean into like, what do they want to talk about? What are their questions? What are they wrestling with? What are they up against? And to be on the college campus or to be in a room with 18 to 25 year olds of how they think and process or what they've been exposed to and how they've processed the world around. I mean, when I ask somebody, I'm like, well, they're like, can we play your record player? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, this is so old. And I'm like, actually, I bought this probably about 12 years ago at Sears. But yeah, you can throw a record on. And they're like, well, this is yeah. like old music. And I'm like, what do you consider old? They're like, you know, like Michael W. Smith. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, they consider yeah. Michael W. Smith oldies. I'm like, I just saw him perform a couple Christmases ago. <laughs> yeah, even just like understanding the, the Christian culture, quote unquote, of like yeah. what they view as old or young or relevant mm -hmm. or no longer 
effective way of ministry is just so intriguing. And Mm -hmm. so as leaders, I think we need to be asking better questions to them so then they can turn around and open up their world to us or begin to ask us questions in a way that maybe we've never processed. Could be the same question, but worded very differently. So I just think that's fascinating. (laughs) Well, and talking about ministry models for a second, like I'm not saying that we should all copy and paste what you guys are doing because Atlanta is not only climate different than (laughs) Minneapolis, but it's also a different culture and it's a different, it's a different community of people. But we are curious to just hear like, what is the ministry model that Mm. you guys are currently working with, with Passion City Young Adults? Yeah, not perfect. And we're, we've been in uh back-to-back meetings just looking at what's working what's not working we've been in this model this is our second school year that we're in um and so we're we're still tweaking right but how it works essentially is uh you have our three things that we're trying to get at is we want to give people an authentic encounter with god we want them to be intentionally discipled and both of those in the context of community. So that's kind of our three Mm -hmm. guiding things that we think Gen Z is looking for. I say encounter with God because uh, we have a digital world. And so the content, um, while it's of the most importance to me, it's also in a way the least important if it is devoid of an encounter with a living God, Mm, because any sermon that I or our team can preach will be good, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, but they can, on this thing, get whatever latest podcast from whoever is the best. I don't know who that is. put in X, right? Um, so it's not that I have to kill kill it on the preaching because they can get whoever, whenever, wherever. Uh, it's not that our worship has to be the best and we have to be really particular about our set list. Maverick City is going to drop a new album by the end of this podcast. And so it's going to be outdated. <laughs> with you, right? So... I'm not focused on the content as much, although I genuinely really am, but making sure all that content leads and has enough space when we do gather as a young adult ministry for the Holy Spirit to interact with a student in a unique way and almost get out of the way in that sense. And so we have, to that end, we have collective night is what we call it once a month. And that's our once a month gathering. We do it here at our 515 location. So we just went to three locations here in Atlanta, um, but our young adult ministry is centralized. And so we don't have, I guess 515 is our main location just because it's the most central, but we also do things at our Cumberland location. We haven't gotten to Trillith yet, but I'm sure we will eventually here. Uh, but that's that night and our focus there is, hey, I wanna feed some people and get them in the door. Um, I wanna have a cool photo booth moment have some fun and interactive and hosting have an awesome time in worship and a message that very much is speaking to the 18 to 25 year old and in that i think we're trying to market to the college student so probably my 18 to 21 22 year old but trying to speak to 
the young professional, right? The 22 to 25 year old. And if I can make it look good uh, to the younger folks, they'll come and the older people are just like, yeah, I want to be cool. (laughs) If I can speak up to the older end of that and call up the younger, the college students to it, that's kind of the mix we're going for in those nights. That's so good. Then we do small groups, which meet every week that we don't have collective nights. So three weeks out of the month. Um, And those are gender-based and season-based and location-based. So those are kind of our three you go onto our website at the beginning of uh, August, beginning of January, and there's, hey, I'm a college student at Georgia Tech, and I'm a guy. Great. Here are our maybe two groups that are guy Georgia Tech groups that you can sign up for. Mm-hmm. And you join that. It tells our leaders, our IT team here is amazing, um, and y'all are y'all are off to the races. We try to keep that no less than about eight people in the group, no more than about 12. Uh, Sometimes we move a little lower, a little higher, but that's the basic detail of that. Every group has at least two leaders in it. Um, And then they're overseen by a coach who's overseeing probably two to five groups, just depending on that coach's availability. All of those are volunteer positions. Uh, some of them are, as we call them, door holders. Uh, some of them are other people on staff and other areas of our church who just want to serve. And uh, that's how we're figuring out all of that for the intentional discipleship part of it. How that connects with the collective night is that the collective night, we're kicking off a series or what we call collection. Uh, so this last one, I'll give you our January one. That was the one we just wrapped up was on the money. And so Brett Yonker gave a talk on finances. We played a fun game where we collected how much debt was in the room. You just typed it in at the beginning and added it up. How much was it? It was over $4 million. That does not surprise me, honestly. No. Um, But that's the thing. Like, as you're saying, we're not asking the questions they're asking. They're trying to figure this out. They're trying to figure out crypto and NFTs and yes, this is their third in their lifetime. Right. Uh, and all of these things matter. They're getting their first jobs. So money can't be a topic that is only done right before you're giving Sunday at your church, right? Wow. Like that's yep. one that is super prevalent to a young adult. Um, but then we made a guide is what we do uh, that leads you through the next three weeks in your groups. The guides are simple. Uh, They're like a digital PDF. It has a devotional thought for the week, some discussion questions, and usually we'll put in some bonus resources, either a Bible reading plan or a talk, both of which we don't write or create. We find, here's Andy Stanley on this. Here's uh, old Pastor Ben talk on this. Here's whoever. Uh, and add those links in there just to give them something extra. And then the leaders take that guide. We make a little leader version of the guide called the Leader Toolkit, and that'll guide them through those next three weeks. So we talked about uh, the posture of your heart in making money. We talked about debt, and we talked about generosity, I think, over those three weeks in groups. And that's how that kind of intentional discipleship piece works, all in the context of community. And so we're also trying to do, while community will happen in those two forms naturally, probably like a once a month 
thing. So in December, it was really fun. We did it for the first time uh, winter formal. And it was kind of like a young adult prom. And everyone dressed up, get a date if you want. Some people came in a limo. And it was just a dance party. Like no real gospel message. We invited you to come on Sundays. But it was really a big open invite fun night. Um, this a couple of weeks ago, we did skate the city where we just rented out an ice skating rink in the city and had people um, do that. So that's kind of our our format, our ministry model here in YA. Don't know if it's perfect. We're experimenting with the right. night. We're experimenting with do we want to do more like hobby based groups? There's all sorts of questions and things to figure out, but that's where we're at right now. Thank you for going there and saying like, hey, we don't have it all figured out and, and it's not perfect. And I, the other thing you didn't say, but you said it, it's not permanent. Like, yeah, 100%. It's, it's like, right. it's okay to experiment. And I think that um, we all need to have those open hands because when it's yeah. our ministry, it's like, this is the most important. And <laughs> maybe we came up with the idea, but it's like being <laughs> open-handed is, is a good right. lesson. Well, I think with that, like realizing that it's not our ministry, it's God's ministry. And the moment we start yeah. holding on too tight, it just like something gets disruptive, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just keeping our heart in check. And I think the fun thing is, is we're like in a place, if you're a leader leading young adults, young adults are very forgiving on multiple levels. They yes. know that the ministry should not stay the same because their life and the pattern of, you know, career, college, dating, engagement, like those patterns don't say the same either. Like they're in a different season as life goes on. And you had even alluded to it, like the door holders, like that's how you uh, mm -hmm. maybe kind of find those volunteers and they have responsibilities, whether it's your group leaders or the, the coaches over those leaders. And mm -hmm. I would just be so curious to see how can um, we as listeners, and maybe we're trying to lean into this better as, you know, we try to lead what God's put before us, but can you talk about like the culture of empowering those leaders? Like you have the material aspects, you have the discipleship aspects, you have the community, like we have those things in play, but how do we maybe as leaders empower the people that God is bringing in that want to get their hands in a form of ministry and have something to offer? And how can we do that for them in the best way possible? Yeah, I think um, something that I love that we do is you can sign up to be a door holder in any room of our house, except for young adults and students. And all of our door holders in those two ministries, we ask you. And the reason for that isn't like, oh, we're exclusive or anything like that. But what that does is from the moment I put out the ask, I've called you up. And now you're feeling a different weight than if you had just signed up for, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll serve there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The second part of it, uh, I think I have three things for this. Second part of it would be the most empowering thing I think our team can do for our leaders because they're amazing is to let them know that we care about them. And so a lot of our empowerment goes into coffee dates, <laughs> lunch dates. Um, leader advance is something that we do at the beginning of the year. We probably try to do a once a month leader hang. Uh, we have every other week prayer meeting with just our leaders and our staff team. We get to come in early in the morning and talk about your group with each other. How's it going? We're learning from each other. And then we're praying over both you and the group and our house as a whole and our city as a whole, our campuses. Um, 
those little pieces are doing a lot of that. I, right before collective night, we'll have a leader rally with all of our uh, leaders and just choosing someone, hey, we have four values at YA, intercession, invitation, invigorate, and invite. And I'll just choose someone and don't give them a lot of time, maybe two days before, maybe the day before this last one was about 30 minutes before. Um, hey, can you give us a, a quick word on invitation and why that's important again? Um, and let them share it and the vision versus it coming always from our team. Hey, can you lead our prayer moment right before rally? Hey, uh, can you organize getting the groups together for some of the guys groups with some of the girls groups and they have a little date night thing and all of that to kind of give them the freedom to do what they need to do. The guide also, we always reiterate is just that a guide and we call our leader version, the leader toolkit. So these are tools to help you, mm -hmm. but you're the builder, right? You're there, you're on the ground you use these how you want to and it's fascinating to see how different groups use it some read the content verbatim ask the questions verbatim that's the night and we're not mad at that <laughs> others look at the guide and their students never see the guide and they're like yeah and here's not that they're going somewhere different but giving it in their own way right yeah. um changing the questions all that they're empowered to do all of that the coaches are a big part of it too, in that that's someone checking in on them. The coaches go to uh, supervise a group or do a check-in once every month, every other month, depending. Um, and that lets them know you're trusted and we're coming to hold you to a standard, mm -hmm. but we're not here every week watching you work you know what i mean and then the third thing if i can remember it oh yes is the raising up of leaders and so now that we're we got a little bit of it last year but now that we're in kind of our second year of this our team yesterday actually was meeting talking about who are all-star leaders who do we know we want to keep but then it was also this tension of do i keep them as a leader or do they become a coach mm -hmm. and I, I they're killing it as a leader but that's the kind of person who could teach other leaders how to kill it as well maybe as a coach but then i don't want my coaches to be amazing and my leaders to be slacking mm -hmm. but it's fun now to be like these have served faithfully i can raise them up to this Good. and then now we're looking in the group and asking them they do a feedback at the end of every semester who are people in your group who you think could be a leader and so people in the group are raising up to leader people who are leaders are raising up to coaches there's a, a girl who's an all-star coach right now who are like next year are you kind of a resource to coaches versus coaching yourself and so that leads an empowerment of just like building a ladder for them to climb up and so those would be the the three things i think Camila, that's so fun. That is, I, I love just the mm -hmm. idea that leaders are invested in, they're empowered, they're equipped with some tools, mm -hmm. and they're also given the freedom to hear from the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and yep. invest deeply, mm -hmm. and they're invested in in that way. And I just think of like my own experience before ever leading in a young adult ministry. I was a youth student, mm 
And then mm-hmm. I was recruited to be a youth leader right after graduating high school. And I remember mm-hmm. in the process of that, my youth pastor, Jeremy Chapman, since he's taken another job, he's moved out of state, mm-hmm. but he took me, to, he couldn't come to my grab party and he took me to coffee. And like mm-hmm. I was 18 years old, discovering the call of God in my life and that mm-hmm. meant the world. And still to this day, mm-hmm. every once in a while, at least once or twice a year, Jeremy Chapman still texts me and lets me know that he's cheering me on, that he mm-hmm. loves me, that he's encouraging me. And like, he's not getting paid to do that. It's just yeah. like a life commitment of life on life. And wow. I also remember being, gosh, 16 and Brent Silkey, who now is like our best friend and he was the best man in our wedding. Like he nice. was also one of the youth pastors at the time. And I remember the first time we grabbed Perkins and just this one-on-one time with my pastor, my leader, mm-hmm. I could ask questions. Mm-hmm. I could share about life, hopes, dreams, and, um, I think that you shared a lot of great things that are questions that we should ask, like what's the vision of our house? Mm-hmm. How can we extend mm-hmm. the vision of our pastor to this generation? Mm-hmm. Um, also, like what's our aim? What do we value mm-hmm. as a young adult ministry? Mm-hmm. I love how you know those deeply in your heart. And then what are ways that people can collaborate and what right. are ways that people can get in the game? Who are we investing into? Who are we inviting into leadership? Mm-hmm. And the other side of it, we've talked about two today is that so many 20 somethings are like figuring out like the, the, all the things of adulting, the things like <laughs> taking college classes, starting jobs, internships. Oh yeah. Moving. Do I rent? Do I buy, mm-hmm. um, financial mm-hmm. things yeah. like you said, crypto and NFT, like what in the world? And it's a lot now of the like, whole metaverse that they're in. Right. So yeah, that too. There it is. <laughs> Web 3.0. So, so like yeah. all this happens in a short window of time and every, everyone seems to be really isolated the past couple of years yeah. and craving community. So what would you say to the person, maybe they're a young adult themselves or Mm -hmm. a young leader who's longing for those deep, meaningful relationships? Mm. Um, You were created for it. So there's, there's the reason right there that you're longing for it and craving it. And for me, I was really good at pretending to be vulnerable. And it's really easy if you're a young adults pastor and you're trying to do that. All you do is ask a bunch of questions uh, when you're meeting with someone uh, and questions they don't normally hear. One of my go-tos was always, uh, when was the last time you cried? And immediately they're thrown off a bit <laughs> and in that they're like, oh, he cares. No one's ever asked me that. And it was really easy for me to hide behind that is the thing. And so I would say if you're craving community, you were created for it. It's going to be scary. (laughs) It's not going to be perfect, uh, but it will be worth it. And so the, the, the trick is to feel the fear and do it anyways, right? And to lean into the thing that is uncomfortable. If you're craving it and it's hard to find, um, I think scripture says, you know, uh, those who are friendly will find friends. Mm-hmm. And so give what it is you're wanting to get and give that to the Lord and say, Hey, I'm, I'm struggling with community. I, I want some, I, I'm fearful or it hasn't worked out in the past or 
I, I have some wounds that I'm working through and all that base answer. This isn't profound in any way. It's give it to the Lord and give what it is you want to get because you were created for it as scary as it seems. That's good. That's good. Well, with that answer, we want to take it one step deeper. Are you ready for the home run derby? Five and five. Uh, this let's is the, do it. This is the challenge. Um, just to get to know you more for the listener to lean in with five questions on the board. Question number one, what's something you're into right now as a hobby for fun? If you had a day off, what would we be, what would you, what would we find you doing or studying? <laughs> I last week got a puppy. And <laughs> I'm really, I've never had a dog before. So I'm really into my puppy and trying to get it not to destroy my house or bite my face when it's, you know, teething. Um, so <laughs> right now you'd probably find me walking my dog. And we also just moved about a month ago right. um, into a home that we love the area, but trying to get to know the area, trying to get to know my dog is probably what you find me doing in any free time right now. Okay. What did you name your dog and what kind is it? It is a golden doodle and her name is Rummy spelled r-u-m-m-i because my wife did not like why uh so rummy eleanor buchanan oh she's already got a middle name that means that she's getting trained she has a middle yes. name you oh sheesh that's funny that's rummy amazing. eleanor that is amazing you guys are you guys are fun people like i still remember our our meal together and meeting your wife and yeah. you're like me you married up Yes, 100%. So well done with that. Um, And how about this, man? What are you looking forward to in the near future? Like, what what are you excited about, dreaming about? Yeah, I think um, different things. I think one, I'm just looking forward to this summer in YA and what that looks like. We always kind of shift our ministry. We don't meet in groups and we're just trying to reimagine it. Uh, I think 2019, after eight or nine years of doing this thing called Summer in the City, mm. where they bring in a, a big guest and it'd be this really awesome thing. I came to it uh, that first summer. Uh, 2020 obviously didn't do that at all. Uh, <laughs> we recorded some content in a studio and posted it to YouTube and like 30 people watched and it was awesome. <laughs> and then <laughs> 2021, last year came back with trying to reimagine it and so did the same thing but kept it in house one and then did a tour around atlanta and so we didn't do it in our church building we did one here but we went to venues around the city and people been wanting to be outside and that was really fun to to think about and reimagine and so as we're looking at it now one that tour was really expensive so we're not gonna do that again um but trying to think about what is it what does it need to look like and so i'm I'm excited about that i'm excited for i love to travel i'm excited for some trips uh my guy's getting married this fall and his bachelor party's in colombia and i've always wanted to go to colombia been fascinated by that my wife lived in africa for a year and we're hoping to get back this year and see some places around there so that and still getting the furniture in my house we need a dining table we need bar stools all sorts of things and that's fun right now looking forward to getting that settled 
I love it. You have a lot of things to look forward to. All right, here's the curveball if you're ready for it. Yeah. If you could ask Josiah and myself one thing, what would you ask us today? Hmm. It can be ministry related or anything. You. This isn't what I want to ask you, but it will help me. How long have y'all been married? Four and a half years. It'll be yeah. five in June. Five in June. Congrats on that. Uh, it would just be that. What was it ever like extremely difficult? And if so, how do you get out of that place? Oh, man. One thing I'll say right off the bat, I think marriage is people always would caution you the first year, first three yeah. years, five, first five years. We don't even talk about and I'm just like, that is horrible marriage advice because yeah. that's not even advice. That's your experience. experience yeah. So I would right. say we went into, I went into marriage, like anticipating a shoe to drop when everything felt so good. Like he loves the Lord. He's pointing me to the heart of Christ. We've been pure. Like we're both called to ministry. Like he's more than what I ever dreamt or like prayed for in a spouse. And not that I'm worshiping him or like us and who God's created us to be or our marriage. It was like, I had this weird anticipation of like, okay, waiting for something to happen at times. And everybody's like, how's your first year of marriage? I'm like, you guys, it's awesome. If this is where the bar has been set, it can only get better from here. So, and I'm not mm-hmm. saying that our marriage is like 100% amazing all the time, but I will say when one is up, the other may be down and vice versa. So we've been able to be, in a season where we're maybe transitioning and we're like, oh my gosh, like, Lord, what do you have for us? Like our role here is coming to an end. We feel that tension in our hearts of saying yes to something and goodbye to another. So I would just leave it there because I I think you're going to lean into that if I, if if that's where you're going to go. I remember being married for about a year, year and a half at that point. And we went through a transition where we ultimately launched into the next, but that meant leaving behind the church where we met at the Mm -hmm. church that I grew up in and the church Mm -hmm. that we were on staff at. So Mm -hmm. our family, our friends, community, the the community, but yes, ministry, but it's like, man, if you tore up this carpet, you'd see tears that I cried and names that I wrote that I prayed people would get saved, like Mm. all of those things. And yet there's no looking back, like Mm. nothing but fond memories Mm. and nothing but a blessing. But I remember being, not knowing to expect that as a Mm. form of a loss. Mm -hmm. And there was, times where Micah carried me through that and people see me as the joyful playful kind of like a puppy like I'm just like (laughs) I want to have fun and I'm optimistic and joyful but that season was really hard and Micah carried me through that season the other thing that was more recent we have two daughters went into the pandemic with no kids now we have two daughters Mm -hmm. Um, yesterday they turned six months and 22 months so they're 16 months apart Mm -hmm. and Micah had a c-section and then six weeks later there was some health complications Mm -hmm. and I remember her doctor surgeon walking out shaking Mm -hmm. trembling Mm -hmm. so I started shaking trembling (laughs) and Mm -hmm. and Micah almost bled out she almost didn't Mm -hmm. make it and that was very traumatic for her but also that was hard for us right and so i think that for us recognizing we're alive Mm -hmm. pause Uh, we're grateful yeah wow let's just pause there we have breath in our lungs Mm -hmm. we are both Mm -hmm. living and let's just pause there for a little bit and be grateful and then there's two little girls and yeah didn't get much sleep last night was up a bunch 
and they're alive and we're grateful. So Mm -hmm. I think just reflecting on like, okay, what are we going to do about rooms in this house? And you talk about furniture and then hold on. We prayed every day that we would have the opportunity to buy this house Mm -hmm. for the first two and a half years of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And then we said it was a miracle when we when we moved in. So I think it's just recognizing the pause and like, okay, we might not be where we want to be, but well, God, let's not forget where we're at. Yeah, God's given us yeah. so much to be grateful for. So, um, I think that, that like if somebody's listening and they're in a hard season, I would just quote mm-hmm. Karen Hagen, who told us this, her husband's the president of the college. We went to, um, mm-hmm. North Central university. She said, good days, or sorry, sorry, bad times come to pass they don't come to stay Mm. bad bad times rough days bad days they come to pass they don't come to stay Mm -hmm. so um yeah i would just give the leader hope in that to hold on to hope because there's there's a bright future in jesus and so well i'd even say in addition to that sorry it's like a five minute answer but i would just say just we recognize the brevity of life and the legacy yeah. which we want to leave behind even when each day isn't perfect or there's unmet expectations or there's not there's a lack of communication or a lack of feeling like we've had time together like we need to reprioritize and recalibrate like there's always a he the she and the we and if we haven't had mm-hmm. a lot of we time you start to feel that tension you start to feel like Oh my gosh, when's the last time we had a date night? When's the last time we had a conversation mm-hmm. without somebody needing a diaper change or losing their marbles over Mickey Mouse? You know, yeah. like, so just yeah. reeling in the fact that life doesn't last forever, but what is the legacy that we're living right now and what legacy are we leaving behind? Because it has to be worth living for and it needs to be worth dying for. And if that is the biggest testimony that we will ever live is our relationship with Jesus Christ and our marriage. And those things are gonna outlast so much more time than we have on this earth and i think just realizing that we chose each other in marriage we're choosing to love each other now and we're choosing to live a legacy even when it's tough even when it's hard even when one of us feels like we're in the desert or a drought or a dry season that the rain is going to come it's just a matter of time the breakthrough is going to come it's just a matter of if we're going to stick with it we get to praise god in the storm and we're going to praise him when we're on the mountaintop so even when you face those small nitpicky things of like you put the toilet paper on wrong again well i like it this way you like it that way i'll use this bathroom you use that that bathroom toothpaste you get a tube i get a tube like just eliminate the small tedious things because what's more important the breath in your lungs and what you have to offer to build god's kingdom or how many pillows and how many blankets were taken overnight like you know what i mean it's like those silly little things where it's like i could constantly you know and just i could do the same for me is constantly keep track of all the wrongs that i've done or all the things and pet peeves that drive him crazy but when you choose to love and if we choose to love like Christ, we will choose to embrace the flaws because we don't know how much time we're going to have with that person. So wow. embracing every minute and every moment, I would say is essential just because you don't know. You don't know your last hello yeah. or goodbye. So that's a long, that's like a preaching, that that's was, a sermon right there. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Y'all, if you ever get tired of the young adult podcast, I think a couple's podcasts from y'all would be amazing. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you. We for were that. told that by somebody else too. Oh. Carrie, Carrie Newhoff Carrie was Newhoff. just on and he said that. And we're like, uh We have a lot of marriage. We're also marriage mentors, so we share a lot of our silly stupid stories. Um, That's awesome. But sorry, back man, to him. Back to you. And and how I want to set this up is just by saying like God is using you, Camilo, and, and he's using Passion City Young Adults. And mm-hmm. I look at like the anthems that have been written in your house. Mm-hmm. They've also been sung right here with that TV. 
and yeah. worshiping with our daughters. And uh, one of them right now is my sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. Mm-hmm. I love that line. What he's done, like I- I'm, I'm grateful for that. I think of this past summer breakthrough, miracle power. Mm-hmm. And how we want to close is offering the leader hope, mm-hmm. offering the listener that breakthrough miracle power. So if, if there was a room that was filled with college pastors, young adult mm-hmm. ministry leaders, and mm-hmm. they were down, and we brought you in to help lift them up, how would you help them fix their eyes on Jesus and give them some encouragement? Yep. First Thessalonians 5, 24, uh, he who called you is faithful and he will do it. Mm-hmm. And that is short. I don't know how many words it is, 10 words or something like that. Um, if you can find a way to believe it, um, there's something, something for you that I think you'll only get if you can believe it, right? Mm-hmm. I think as people in ministry, uh, we're constantly trying to get people to trust God. We're trying constantly um, to trust God and what we're believing for in our ministry and in our personal lives, our marriages, all that. I think what that verse kind of packs in for me is this idea that uh, it's a both and, but that God trusts you that God trusts me, Mm -hmm. that he decided to let you steward something. Uh, He decided to give you influence. He decided to save you. Uh, And then the second part of that is God trusts himself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he knows his track record. And what he's given you to steward uh, is not your burden to bear. It's uh, your joy to carry uh, with, right? Like, the Simon of Cyrene who helps Jesus carry the cross. Uh, oh, never mind. Doesn't yeah, do it. stumble in carrying the cross physically, mm-hmm. but has stumbled his whole life trying to pick up his cross daily, as all of us do every day. And so I think it's a picture not of look at this work we do for Jesus, but look at the Jesus who beaten, bloodied, uh, about to die, is actually still the one carrying the cross. It's a picture of where you should be, uh, but not an indicator of how much the Lord needs you. The That picture is showing you how much you need the Lord. That's good. He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Find a way to believe that. That's so good. Okay, here's a final question. Okay, I'll say this. Do you have a Bible crush? Somebody that you really admire, your favorite biblical character? Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, easily. Um, I just think, one, I just love how much is happening in his young adult years, right? (laughs) He's 17 when his, the journey that we see kind of begins uh and it's painful and there's ups and downs and it's not a it's not like this and it's not like this it's more realistic to me for some reason um and it's redemptive and the whole thing from when he's born and the circumstances in which he's born he's daddy's favorite and all that to uh when his family's restored years later and his father's about to die and his father comes to bless his children and crosses his arms and 
the younger one gets the blessing. I think that whole narrative and how much we get let in on, which is rare for a biblical character, is one that I've always related to and uh, find a lot of hope in. For, I love for sure. it. I love it. And for the listener today, you are never too young to teach and you're never too old to learn. So yeah, we can learn a lot from each other. We can learn about a lot from the generations above and below and beside. And yeah, we are so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you had fun. Thank you. I did. Loved it. Appreciate y'all. Hey, we appreciate you. You're amazing. And if you're listening, you want to find out more about Camila Buchanan or Passion City YA with young adults, you can connect with us in the show notes or on our website. And until next time, this is Josiah and Micah. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.